I was twenty when it happened. It was a dark autumn night on the banks of the River Elbe, the coal fires of Hamburg's stolid and crumbling tenements adding their chemical tang to the evening's damp mist. I'd been handed my match ticket as we left Feldstrasse U-Bahn station and then headed up the stairs in a one-way throng. Everyone around me was singing, stamping and letting fall emptied cans of Holston. They rattled percussively on the walkways. Through the turnstiles with a creak, mumbled thanks, a drop of fag ash and half a ripped ticket pushed back. Then up the dozen steps and into the Nordkurve, just as Hans Alba's Auf der Reeperbahn started to splutter and crackle through the megaphone speakers fixed to the overhanging roof of the main stand and the stanchions. Smoke and steam rose from the crowd, thousands of shining eyes turning towards the dew-speckled field as kickoff grew near. Someone brought me a bratwurst with a ripple of sweet mustard along its glistening top edge and a foaming beer in a plastic glass. Just then, the teams ran out, a roar went up, a floodlight failed and everybody laughed. I laughed too, so loud I almost spat out some sausage. So this is football, I thought. And everything changed. That was an extract from the brand new, wonderful book, Square Peg Round Ball, Football, TV and Me, by Ned Bolting. Published by Bloomsbury, priced at fourteen ninety nine, and available from the When Saturday Comes shop and other booksellers. Welcome to When Saturday Comes, the half-decent podcast that strikes the ball through a forest of legs and beyond a hapless goalkeeper. I'm Daniel Gray and this time I'm interviewing the comedian, presenter, ex-WSC contributor and Plymouth Argyle fan Josh Widdicombe. I met up with Josh in Glasgow. He was there as part of a UK stand-up tour that runs until June. Please consider becoming a member of our supporters club on Patreon. From just £1.55 per month, you'll get access to bonus episodes plus exclusive merchandise. Find out more by heading to patreon.com slash when Saturday comes. Josh, here we are in your hotel room. Disappointingly, you haven't got room 302, the CFAX suite. I haven't, no. No, I always request it. <laughs> 302 is obviously BBC and then um, 140 on on ITV. Yeah. I can still remember a lot of them. So you go, (laughs) I mean, so you go 302, which is the main football. 301 is sports headlines. That's once you've exhausted the football. And then uh, 312 was like the news news and briefs. And I I got that hotel room recently in a Premier Inn. uh, (laughs) I was thinking, yeah, there is some sort of news and briefs joke going on here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then three two four for the tables. Three two four starting with three two four Premier League. Yeah, I'm quite a slow reader. I think, like I always realise that when I, you know, when you say to someone, read this, then you read, and I'm, I'm, I'm slow for some reason at reading, and um, I was just too slow for the length of a CFAX page. <laughs> I needed that. They were like three seconds too fast, so I'd have to do yeah. the double lap round. Did you used to employ the trick of pressing hold twice to move a? Say if you had four pages and Plymouth were on page four of scores, if you pressed hold twice, it moved the little dial on. Oh, it's mate, like I didn't know that. I did have a cheat for CFAX, <laughs> which was, you know, bamboozle. Oh, yeah. So if you didn't know the answer to the question, uh, so bamboozle, if you don't know, is a quiz on the Channel 4 CFAX. Um, and it's four options. And so you could press your option and it would go to that page, right? But you'd see which number it'd put in. Yeah. So it'd say like one four D, mm. and three of the options would go to one page. You could cycle between them, and one would go to a different page, and that one's obviously the right answer because yeah. three are going to the wrong answer page. So you could 
Cheetah bamboozle. You smash bamboozle. I smash bamboozle. On the last day of bamboozle, I... on the end of um, of uh, teletext, it, they put a little pixelated tear on his face and it, <laughs> it flashed off. <laughs> That's him. amazing. It was very moving. Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> Bamboozle, he was called, wasn't he? Was, he? Was. Based on presumably Bambergascon, <laughs> but yeah, I was the kind of major Charles Ingram of bamboozle, <laughs> I suppose. I, I come bearing gifts. Oh wow! Um, I. I remember, I'm a Middlesbrough fan, and I remember yeah. a series of nil-nils with Plymouth Argyle in the early 1990s. Right, I, and I looked at my programme collection, and amazingly, genuinely, this was top of a, a few hundred no, programmes. Wow. I did have this season out recently, but I've so got three copies. Yeah, I've got three copies, because my dad bought me and my sister's one. So this one for you has my sister's annotations uh-huh. on the back. You, so you know that one of your lads was booked there. And, yes, uh, we played in the FA Cup nil nil and the league nil nil in the same week, and, and I'm not sure this is the FA Cup replay at Home Park. Oh, I didn't wow. go, but I must have collected so the this, at some point. Um, so it's like the Plymouth Argyle Borough series. Yeah, so, they, so we played you on the eighth, and yeah. then we played you on the twelfth. Yeah, and then so the uh, league game. I played you in the FA Cup. Yeah. Wow, FA Cup third round replay at Plymouth did go ahead last night with Middlesbrough scraping through with the game left. Steve Sutton now reports. That's uh, this goalkeeper on the back, Reese Wilmot. Yeah, I remember the name. Yeah, so he, who's on the back, I vividly remember that picture. That's a kind of Proustian <laughs> vision of Reese Wilmot. It's, it's, it's Reese Wilmot against the goalpost, reading the Sunday Independent. Yeah, and they haven't even bothered to put the goal netting down. They've still got the goal netting. <laughs> Come on, guys. Um, but um, Reese Wilmot's now the goalkeeping coach um, under Ryan Lowe mm. at Argyle, and I met him two months ago, and. He was the goalkeeper when I um, yeah. started. I'm sure that won't be the last. But my abiding memory of Reese Wilmot, and I may well come to this, is when Peter Shilton took over from David Kemp. So David Kemp was a kind of um, John Beck school, mm. long ball, uh, Charles Hughes style, you know, mm. that kind of lower league, but without the success of John Beck or Wimbledon. And awful direct football, and that was what I first went to watch. And then Peter Shilton took over. And obviously, Shilton, for all of his failings as a manager, was from the Clough School of Beautiful Football. Yeah. And Reese Wilmot collected the ball in the first game and rolled it out to the defender, and there was a cheer around the ground that <laughs> <laughs> he hadn't cleared it up that he'd, he'd made a pass to the defender. Like, it was amazing, yeah. It's one of those 90s keeper names like Fraser Digby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all of those fantastic yeah. names. But yeah, that's a classic programme advert leaning oh, against well. the goalpost. To, yeah. to I noticed in the Middlesbrough version mm. it, it gives the we- heights and weights of your players, which Does I really it? like. I, just, <laughs> I wonder when they were taken, but I noticed that Paul Robinson, who played number nine that day, is a six foot four and weighed 14 stone and five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, why yes, does this, please. this doesn't exist anymore. I've never heard of Paul Robinson. It says he uh, made the big move from Scarborough, the coastal move. Oh, David Byrne, who obviously, fresh from the split of talking heads, is playing up from Argyle. A natural place to turn up. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, There's some great players here, like um, Andy Morrison went, and Nicky Marker went on to play for Blackburn. Yeah, I remember Nicky Marker. Under Kenny Dalgleish. Nicky Marker possibly even has a... Premier League winners medal. Yeah, maybe. I feel like he was still around. Yeah, in the sort of Mark Atkins, Ben Troll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Robottom 
who was the brother of Darren Robottom, who played for Exeter and was yeah. their top scorer. So they were a kind of West Country institution. <laughs> and then Dave Walter was the reserve goalie. But he actually played... So Reese Wilmot was my first goalie, but Dave Walter played in the first game I ever saw, which was Plymouth v Nottingham Forest at Home Park. In the League Cup, I suppose you could Google it, it was a League Cup mm-hmm. game. And I remember beforehand Brian Clough signing... I, got the programme signed by Brian Clough in his green mm. jumper. Dave Walter was in goal. And, yeah, it says it here. Yeah, he was, the, he's a North Devon farmer. He was just a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I was about to say that. I was about to say, and he was a farmer, and I thought, that can't be true. And then I looked down, and it says it's it in here the official well. pen picks that the club <laughs> yeah, send out to every yeah, other exactly. farmer. He must get sick of his farming. But it's another fact about me. Jesus. yeah, yeah. But there's not many better facts than the fact you're a farmer <laughs> and Plymouth Argyle player. The other thing I noted about the hotel, um, if you don't mind me giving away your location, uh, yeah, is I it's on Argyle Street. I noticed Street. this as well. And, uh, is this a request you make to the management of <laughs> yeah. Tommy Tynan Road in yeah, Solihull playing Birmingham? Plymouth reference, yeah. <laughs> I'm not staying there. That's no, your that's yeah. your diva thing. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, it's a it's a weird thing. There's obviously there's lots of Argyle Streets like, everywhere. Yeah. You know, obviously. It's a good name for a club. It's good because obviously, I know you're always looking for reasons why your club's interesting mm-hmm. or whatever. But Plymouth, are the, they've got quite a lot of kind of singular characteristics in that they're Argyle. Green, until Yeovil, uh, mm. they were the only green team in the football Which league. It must have been a, a Sabutio trouble, wasn't it? Trying to get a Plymouth team. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know if I would have... I don't even know if it would have been worth printing them up. <laughs> You've got to remember in those days, Saputio didn't even do black players, so Plymouth no, Argyle was that's way, way down on the mistakes they were making <laughs> in their printing. Um, so, uh, yeah, you've got Argyle, you've got the most southern and most westerly club, and also the worst fact is that we're the biggest city in Europe to have never had a top division team. Mm. I used to think that's probably the world, but it's not, is it? Because there's... As at the time of recording, there's like coronavirus, you realise how big these cities are in China that you've never yeah, heard of. that's true. They've knocked your fact. Your They've knocked my fact. <laughs> that city that's where it started is 44 times the size of Plymouth and I've never heard of it. <laughs> as we are meeting in Scotland, I was struck by the amount of links between Scotland and Plymouth, given how far away... You know, Glasgow Ooh. is a player rated as your greatest, Sammy Black, the Mighty Atom. There's a nickname that I was reading about, who signed from Kirk and Tillock, Rob Roy, and a fantastic name in the 20s and 30s. And according to Wikipedia, he was known to play with a cigarette stub tucked behind his ear. <laughs> Brilliant. Superb. <laughs> and he's our greatest ever player. Yes. <laughs> And it doesn't say anything more than that. You can't just leave in a line like that yeah. and not give me anything more. Did you say citation needed? <laughs> <laughs> Let's make this podcast, it's a fact, because it's in yeah, this podcast. Th- it can I be think, the footnote. I, I think it's fine with those things. You know, it's like, um, you know, like the Jebediah Springfield episode of mm. The Simpsons when Lisa finds out the reality but doesn't tell anyone because... The myth is worth more to people. I think it's the same <laughs> yeah. with Sammy Black. It doesn't say anything about whether he smoked the fag or if it was a lucky fag that he always it's had behind exactly. him. Exactly. And then coming right into the, the, the more recent past, Paul Sturrock, of course, legendary I'd say, manager. Well, certainly of my time. Mm. 
I mean, I mean, Ryan Lowe is doing an excellent job, mm. but Paul Stark is the greatest mm. manager of my lifetime. He was absolutely transformed the club. He was brilliant. He, uh, you know, he's one of those. You don't know who what you, you don't know who Paul Stark is when mm. I when he, yeah where you are yeah yeah. Um, obviously, he's, he was a great striker for Dundee United. Yeah. Um, I've actually uh, talked to Lorraine Kelly about Paul Stark. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, looking for common ground. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's a good yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so he was a Dundee United legend, and um, he came down and we won the league in two thousand two with like hundred and two points. Quite a lot of mm. points. Went up. He brought in some brilliant players. We didn't play like spectacular football or you know mm. but we had that you know that I mean obviously this is a very but you know there's that element of Liverpool at the moment it just feels like they'll grind it and they've got the mentality yeah, it's, there's yeah. a functionality mm-hmm. to it that works we were we just destroyed the division really mm-hmm. and then we had this rivalry with Luton who came up with us that who were managed by Joe Kinnear at the time and then we went up again just as we were going up again, he left to go to Southampton, which didn't really work out mm. for him. But um, he was superb manager, really good, really like I think just a proper manager. Do you know mm. what I mean? There's so I think you could do well in the lower leagues through just sensible management, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Paul Starrick is. I think he, he's got to go down as the best manager mm. of my lifetime. I, I can't speak for when players play with stubs behind yeah. their ear. <laughs> He might have allowed that. Yeah. <laughs> and then another Scott less revered would be Bobby Williamson. If, if I was to draw a comparison to explain Bobby Williamson, he was kind of the anointed, he was very much the David Moyes to Paul Starks, Alex Ferguson, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The anointed successor, Gordon Brown to Paul Starks, Tony Blair. <laughs> and it just didn't quite happen in the same way. There's this kind of shorthand, isn't there? Because... In football, you think there's only so many stories. So when you see something that seems like it's happened before, you think, oh, this is that thing. Mm-hmm. So so the fact someone is Scottish almost feels like <laughs> a, 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 a job, like a reason they might get a job, because we've, <laughs> Scottish works. Do you know what I mean? That's that kind of... He's, Paul Stark succeeded in Scotland. He succeeded in Scotland. Let's get him in. And it's like... It just didn't happen, did it? It didn't work. But then, you know, eventually it kind of... We got right quite high, quite high up just after that with Ian Holloway. And um, then he left to go to Leicester. And then it all crumbled. You've had some... Uh, I don't know what the right word is. Archetypal managers of some sort down the years in having mm. Warnock and Pulis and Holloway. I've got a lot of... Peter Reid. Yeah, Peter Reid. And Peter Reid, who I think is a genuinely good manager... And a good uh, man by, by, good by man, his Twitter feed. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's a great guy. Yeah. Um, I've actually got, we're interviewing him for my 90s football podcast, oh, brilliant. Kevin Willie Score. Very excited to meet Peter yeah. Reid. Um, I think Peter Reid came in at a very difficult time for the club. We were just in dire straits. Mm. It's no fault of his own that it wasn't a success. He also paid for like, had to pay the heating bill or genuinely something mm. like that. He's a good guy, Peter Reid. Marshall, cross now, looking for Marker. He's made a real impact since he moved into midfield. And that's a great ball here to David Smith. It's gone in! Bobby Mims with a mistake. That won't worry David Smith at all. 
Wolves completely misjudged that one. So let's go back to those early Plymouth Argyle days. We're going to come in a bit to you writing for when Saturday comes. Mm. But one of the pieces you wrote was about the fact that your first ever game wasn't a Plymouth game and you were disinterested, which which extra. I loved because there's, as you write in the piece, and I have these halcyon memories of my first game as well, and, and you counter that with your own boredom at uh, the other St. James Park. Yeah, I, do you know what? And I'm sorry to any Plymouth fans listening to this, but I don't really feel that strength of hatred towards Exeter that a lot of Plymouth fans feel. Probably because I don't live in Devon, so you don't have that mm. kind of... But I think the main reason is because I grew up in a in the 90s in on Dartmoor. There was, I was a Plymouth fan, and then you kind of have your big club, don't you, which mm. is kind of Liverpool, who I normally follow because of my dad. And then everyone at school supported Man U. So I didn't feel like Exeter were our rivals. I kind of felt like Man U were our rivals. Yeah. So I kind of have... The first game I went to was Exeter went up, the Dan Robottom season when they he was the top scorer they won the what is now League Two. We went. We must have sat on the big bank, and um, I think they won one nil. I don't know. I I just need to look into that. And then we went to Home Park, and it just blew my mind how much it was like. Home Park after going to St James's Park felt like the New Camp. Do you know what I mean? Like it felt like. Um, and it was it was it was pretty trashy in those days, but in those days when you're seven, you're not you're not interested in the things I'd be interested in now, like the romance of terracing mm. or the kind of the fact the one of the great things about St James's Park in Exeter is it's probably you know the grounds where people can see the pitch from their window. Yeah, there's a full there's like a street of yeah. people that can see the pitch from their window. So it's quite a romantic kind of ground in that sense. I, I don't bear extra any ill will, but um, we went to Plymouth and it we followed the glory, really. Isn't yeah. that awful? I'm a glory hunter and I've got none of it. <laughs> You're glory hunter with nothing to show for it. Yeah, quite, exactly, quite, quite, mate. An achie- quite an achievement. Early players we've been through, uh, a few of them, but names I remember, Tommy Tynan was, yes, was he one was of the just, cult names. So I, I came along in 91, Tommy Tynan had gone by then, he was a kind of, yeah, he's it, a myth of yeah. goal-scoring legend. I think like when you go for our best ever players, well, you'd say something like Paul Mariner probably yeah. in the late 70s was obviously one of our best ever players. But Tommy Tynan was the one that kind of was great for Plymouth. Mm. I think it was... I mean, obviously it's before my time, so I might be a year or two out, but he was the goal scorer in the 85, 86 mm. or whatever season when they went up and uh, Kevin Hodges was in that team and people... Dave Phillips, I think, was in that team. So he's kind of... But I missed that. Tommy Tynan was just a myth and a, a yeah. local um, publican, of course. Yeah, of yeah. Course. And I think I read he was a scouser, wasn't he? I've, was, I've always yeah. been interested in local club heroes who've left a big football city. So did he ever go back home and go, I'm actually quite a big deal? Because <laughs> he's never even got a deal with a tram mirror. Like well, he, he is. I think he's still in... I mean, I, this is a few years old, this info, but I think he's a cabbie in Plymouth now. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. There's a series. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm now starting to worry that Uber has hit the finances oh, yeah. of well, Tommy him, him and John Sitton. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and so let's go straight to those... Shilton years because that's when I really start to remember Plymouth Argyle. Yeah, the Razmataz. It was great. It was, it, that and people still say this that Peter Shilton 
and just, you know, it's probably best to stay off his Twitter these days. But like, <laughs> <laughs> he's no Peter Reed. He's no Peter Reed, is he? <laughs> There's a real two camps, isn't there, in that '86 England football team uh, of Brexit? It's very 52-48. Thank God for Gary Lineker. Right? Um, but um, so Schultz comes in, which blows your mind, obviously. Because you're a kid, the reason I was into football was the Italian 90 World yeah. Cup. I had the sticker album, that Orbis one, the mm-hmm. 20, yeah. still got that, with that, which is just, you know when you're a kid and you could just read stuff again and again yeah. and again, I'm finding this as a parent now, aren't I? And, like, and you just, you're a sponge for information. I know far more about that than I do mm-hmm. about, I would struggle to name you, three players in the Bournemouth first eleven now in the yeah. Premier League, but I could name you a, a Coventry team from 1905 or whatever. But um, So, yeah, the reason I was into football was Italian 90. Yeah. And so then when Peter Shilton, the goalkeeper, the England goalkeeper from Italian 90, comes to represent your club, manage your club, you can't believe it. And then he brought in John McGovern as his assistant. A lot of people say that John McGovern was kind of the brains behind it. And... Twitter's borne that out in many ways, maybe. Uh, but, uh, and they played phenomenal football. We had this great team. We had Steve McCall, who was... He played in the Ips... I think he played in the Ipswich team that won the UEFA Cup in the late 70s, early 80s. But he was kind of 36 or whatever he was. Balding. Kind of couldn't run. But the absolute greatest example of good players always being in space. Like, just spraying... Like, do you remember, like, Jan Mulby just spraying the ball around? Or, like, Pirlo or whatever. Um, Just compared Steve McCall to Andrew (laughs) Pirlo. But he was so much better in his head and culturally with his passing than everyone else. And then you had Paul Dalton, who was a great winger, Steve Castle. You had up front, you had Kevin Nugent. And you had um, Gary Poole, who was a great right-back. Really, really brilliant team who played... Are they still on Pasotti, the Plymouth Argyle message board? I was reading a thread three days ago where people were arguing that that's the best they've ever seen us play. And we made the playoffs and then we lost to Burnley. You know when you finish top of the playoffs and they finish bottom of the playoffs? Yeah. yeah. And then we drew at their place and you're like, this is a done deal. We were 12 points clear of them in the league. Lost at home. And then in that summer, we signed Peter Swan, who turned out to be one of the worst people in the world. Um, and then we got Shilton's gambling debts caught up with him. He borrowed money off the club or off the chairman. I can't remember what it That was off the club. It must have been off the chairman, right? Legally, I'm not sticking. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say, Shilton's gambling problems caught up with him. And it all went a lot wrong. of lawyers. It's yeah, yeah. And then, he, um, and then he kind of... We got relegated the next season. Yeah. That was the first ever time... We'd gone down to the basement. We'd ever been in the bottom division of the football league, so he burned bright. But <laughs> it now it's seen that Peter Shilton was a failure to outsiders, but he wasn't really. He was mm. he was that close. If you were to describe Shilton as a failure at Plymouth, is to describe Brendan Rodgers as a failure at Liverpool in the sense that it was close to that happening, and then it just all went wrong. And then next in the hot seat. Warnock. Warnock. Uh, well, yeah, there was uh, Russell Osman or someone took over for the last bit of that yeah. Shilton season. Warnock then comes in, who's um, 
obviously. I've got a lot of time for simply because of Plymouth, but is that the reason I, he still lives in the southwest? Yeah, he loves it. He goes, yeah, so he yeah, he loves it, and it's also the reason why every time we need a manager, he's rumoured to mm. to be doing it. One last crack. One last crack. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Warnock, who kind of looked exactly the same then, but with <laughs> eyebrows, and he kind same of, polo shirt, same polo shirt, into yeah, the shell suity. Yeah, exactly. And he brought in... We we had an owner then who it all went bad with, but who did, like, and became a very unpopular owner, Dan McCauley. He put money in during the Shilton era, and he put... And Warnock did throw some cash around, and we went up in the playoffs under Warnock, which was the first time we'd ever played at Wembley. That was amazing. Were you at that? Yeah, I went to Darlington. Yeah, so we won one nil. Ronnie Moget scored, um, who later got arrested for firearms offences. I think um, I don't know if there was any charges. But Just excited after scoring. Yeah, yeah. Late, <laughs> not what late. they do in South America. They yeah. fire guns into the air. <laughs> that was amazing. That was '96 because it was we were at Wembley and there was like all the Euro '96 stuff was up, like advertising yeah, right, that yeah. was there. So probably like Mick Heathcote was one of the. First people on the Wem- last people on the Wembley steps before Jurgen Klinsmann lifted Euro '96, <laughs> so that was great. But then Warnock, the football wasn't great, but he's a personality. Do you know what I mean, Warnock? He, I, he, he added a drive to the. You feel like when Neil Warnock is your manager, or he did then, he felt proper because he'd done well at Notts County. He got promoted with Huddersfield and then left them to come back down to do Plymouth. He was a good. He was a bit of a coot, you know what I mean? Mm. And then he fell out with Dan McCauley. Dan McCauley sacked him. And then um, Mick Jones, who was his assistant, came in and we went down the following season. Make sure you never miss an issue of When Saturday Comes by subscribing today. Not only will you have the magazine delivered to your door and save on the shop price, but you'll also receive discounts on books and T-shirts, plus get free access to our complete digital archive, which stretches all the way back to issue one, 1986. Go to shop.wsc.co.uk for more information. After the, the greatness of the Sturrock era then came the horror of nine or ten years ago. Yeah. Double relegation, which just sounds... I don't know what the right yeah, word well, we, is. Horrific. Do you know what? It was very close to being treble relegation. Though. Yeah. Like, we almost went out of the Football League. We almost went out of existence. <laughs> so, did, did you think so you'd take double relegation yeah, in did, a way. I, I've been wondering this about Berry fans recently. Did they deep down truly believe they were going to go out of existence. Did, did, did you have that blind know. faith where you thought, we're just going to be fine because it's a football team, but yeah, it was blind faith? Yeah, I think faith. you do. You know, I know clubs go out of existence, mm. but it's so rare. Yeah. You think, it does? this doesn't happen. Mm. How many, you, in your head, you think, this doesn't happen, this can't happen. And it didn't happen, to be fair. Um, but obviously it did for Barry. And you end up with a situation where what happens on the pitch doesn't really matter, does it, at that mm. point? It's just... Mm. Of course you're losing. I mean, unbelievably, Barry got promoted last season. Ryan Lowe is now our manager, yeah. the Barry manager. I, well, I met him a couple of months ago, and he's just... We went to film a thing at Argyle, and then we had a drink with him afterwards. And so charismatic, and so... We went, he gave us a lift to the pub afterwards, 
and he was like, you two get in the back. But the way he said it, you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's get in the back. Like, I'd have, I'd have gone over the top for him. Do you know what I mean? He's got that kind of thing that you think Jurgen Klopp has obviously got now. You just look at that Liverpool team and you go, what must it be like to play under Jurgen Klopp? There must be a Liverpool player who's called him dad in the same way <laughs> at school that you do with a teacher and put your hand up and go, uh, Mum, I mean, miss. <laughs> you mentioned those little stats or facts about Plymouth, the city, the team. That underachievement compared to the size of the place, is that something fans talk about and All are aware of? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, obviously the phrase sleeping giant. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's, it's not galling. It, in fact, it's the opposite. But I was, when you see teams like Bournemouth or Brighton or Burnley to an extent, but Burnley have got such a kind of rich football mm-hmm. history. Or, um, there was, you know, it's happened a million times, Charlton or Stoke or whatever. These teams that I don't think are nominally bigger than Plymouth, but I don't, you don't go, you don't, I don't think that's, sh- you're like, oh, I hate Bournemouth. You think we could, that could be us. Yeah. I remember us playing Bournemouth. I remember us playing Swansea. I remember us playing Cardiff. There, there is a potential for Plymouth. When we played Darlington in the playoff final that year, we took 35,000 yeah. to Wembley. And the thing about Plymouth is, it's a city of quarter of a million, but if they were in the Premier League or at the top of the Championship, it's, got, it's also got this huge catchment area beyond that, because it's got all of Cornwall, and then Exeter, our nearest rivals, are 50 miles away, and also they're not very good. So were Plymouth really successful, it has a huge potential. There's always this thing, and I don't know whether I buy it, you're... You might have a view on this as a Middlesbrough fan, right? But people go, oh, one of the big problems people have is people don't want to come and play for them because it's too far away. People just, you can't, you're never going to get the players to come down. But I don't believe that. Ryan Lowe, I, I talked to him about it and he was like, it's a big club at that level. I don't know what the difference is moving to Plymouth or moving to you know, Shrewsbury. I don't know how it would affect It's a thing Middles that's Middles. always said and it is said about Middlesbrough and so many teams like that. It's as if footballers need the big city life because they're going around galleries every Sunday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But actually, they're usually living in fairly similar villages in big houses outside. Yeah. Outside, and It could be anywhere. It's, it's not usually like, beautiful. They and want to go and watch Stomp, <laughs> no, is it's it? Not, like, it's really it's... not. It's just not a factor, you think. I, I think if you are, a, you know, if you're a, a club that is... A tempting club, financially offering a good package, with good management and a good ground, a good training ground. I don't, I don't believe that that regional thing would be a problem in the same way it isn't for Newcastle, and it wasn't for Middlesbrough no. or Sunderland when they especially were especially when Paul Merson was just getting the train back to it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but I think Plymouth has got, a, it's got a huge potential. We've got a really good chairman now, not like a flash chairman, but chairman who's bought the ground for the club who's investing money, who's got money, but he's not, he wants the club to be sustainable. And I think, you know, it's a really good time to be a Plymouth fan, which is odd because we were relegated last season, but I've never known a positivity after relegation like it, really. I love the website Historical Football Kits and uh, enjoyed looking back at some of your old kits and sponsors that I sort of remember. Oh, yeah. we've, rem- we've mentioned the Sunday Independent, but what on earth was Rotolock? So Rotolock was... Um, Industrial components, and they were uh, that was the company that Dan McCauley, our chairman, oh. made his money in. Um, and um, so I don't really know what industrial components are, but presumably building stuff. He was a very rich 
I don't know whether he's Plymouthian or Cornish or whatever. But um, he attempted to buy Drake's Island as well. Oh, he did buy it? Drake's Island is like a little island off Plymouth and he was like going to turn it into something. And he, he was kind of... But by the time it came to the end of his hated reign, people were uh, covering up the rotolock on their shirts with tape <laughs> as a kind into, of means or, of... Or making it into rotocock. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think rotocock was on the front of Rubber the Greens, the uh, Plymouth Argyle fancy. But... Um, he, uh, so that was interesting. You have some classic kit makes that I know as a, a 90s football fan you'll like. Ribeiro. Yeah, so that's the Middlesbrough one, right? We know we had we had Area. Oh, Area, that's sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. We, had, we shared Admiral with you as well. Yeah. But Ribeiro so, such a low division. Ribeiro, uh, yeah. And we had one. Super League. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we had Super League. Uh, for the, That was the striped kit that we had that we went down in, I think, under Mick Jones. I don't know who else had Super League. I think Huddersfield had it. I think Warnock went from a Super League to another Super League club. So that one, Area, yeah. was you guys, and we got the green version of your kit. Yeah. <laughs> so do you know you had that kit? Was it Cellnet kit that yeah. had this, the kind of band across the middle? Mm-hmm. We had the exact same kit, just in different colours. I love that, just a rep going just, around football. Yeah, yeah. Look what I got all the way from Italy. We had them for one season. It was there was so many problems with them, with the kits or whatever. I'm sure some Plymouth fans would know more details about that. But that we like got out of the contract. I think we only had them for one year because I was very excited because obviously it was like the Middlesbrough kit. Who were, at that time had Rabinelli and Janino and stuff. And, and on the the kit front and mentioning Italian names, Gianluca Festa came and played for the area era Middlesbrough team and started his own boot company. And we, you could see which were his mates in the team because they were wearing his A-line boots. <laughs> the rest amazing. Were, were still on the Adidas. Oh, but, wow. <laughs> that's amazing, yeah. And that's an awkward conversation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We had this thing on the uh, Quickly Kevin podcast that I do about um, Hans Sager's had a Thai company. So we found this out. I can't remember. Someone wrote in or whatever. Said Hans Sager's made... So he made these ties. And they were like, football team ties? So it'd be like Barcelona or whatever, and you're like, there's no way Hans Sager has cleared that with our <laughs> But then someone sent us a clip of Premier League years at Selhurst Park, and you can see a billboard that says Hans Sager's ties, and it's got just like a phone number on it. <laughs> That's brilliant. Amazing, isn't it? That's another of those classic keeper names. So we briefly mentioned that you wrote quite a few pieces. Mm. Indeed, one just last year, um, you made your comeback for when Saturday comes and did some sub-editing back in the day. Mm. Uh, do you remember what your very first mm. piece in 20, looks at, no, it was 07, was about? Yeah, it was about Truro. It was. Yeah, so Truro were, oh God, I don't know the bloke's name, but some bloke who's had a bit of money, was kind of trying to make Truro into... A league into Cornwall's first league club, so Truro is the only city in Cornwall, I want to say. He was investing in it and they were doing really well. I don't think it worked out, obviously. Um, but that was the first thing that was like proper journalism. Yeah. Like an actual story where I'd spoke to people and stuff in the days when I was doing proper journalism rather than just pontificating. You must have felt that thrill of print though. Yeah, so I, I love WSC, it's amazing. Just... Mate, what's great about when Saturday comes is like, you know, you could have really, you've got Harry Pearson and then you've got P. 
people that can just you know submit articles mm. and if they are good writers who can write about interesting things in the world of football you know there's nothing better than that it's better than reading a bloody quotes piece with Stephen Gerrard isn't mm. it one of the pieces you wrote was about the lack of football stand-up comedy a really enjoyable piece why is it an absent topic I think because it's um, football comedy is a really interesting area because obviously in term, if, if you start with stand-up then the reason you can't really do football stuff is if you make it broad enough that everyone can understand it, it's in no way satisfying to a football fan because there's only so many things that you can hit upon. And if you make it satisfying to a football fan, then you're going to lose half the audience. Mm-hmm. I think that it's the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, if you, had, if you were to do a joke about football, there's only about ten things that everyone knows. <laughs> yeah. Peter Crouch is tall or whatever. You can't talk about Carlo Ancelotti or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's, You couldn't do a satire, could you? No, you couldn't, you couldn't dig deep into... <laughs> Start of a chat show. ...into parachute payments. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about written football things, drama and drama comedy. I've gone on too much on this podcast about Golden Gordon. And I did struggle to think beyond that when I was trying to think... Of comedy? Of, of written... Yeah. Um, there's a uh, sitcom called Prince Among Men which was in the, oh God, I reckon turn of the century, uh, starring Chris Barry as a former footballer. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yes. It didn't really work. I don't really... I, that's unfair because I haven't seen it in 20 years. But, but I don't remember it being a hit. Actually, it would have been a better sideline in British Empire if Gordon had been an ex-footballer. Yes. It yeah. more of a, a threesome. But um, I, I don't remember many... There's not been many football-based sitcoms to my knowledge no hey what do you think you're playing at come here please give us a few stars and a good review on the apple podcast app or elsewhere for instance in graffiti on a bridge over the m23 okay i'll leave it up to you and we'll settle up later will you be needing anything else love no with this lot and a bit of luck we'll be fine the pilgrims is undoubtedly one of the best football nicknames yes any other favorites um well, I, it's always fun when they refer to a kind of element of the... I like it when they refer to the the town's trade, like the hatters. Or, yeah, um, it's, that's a, there, the, are, there are groupings, aren't there? And shrimpers, brewers, blades, chairboys, yeah. potters, like that, they refer yeah, back yeah, to yeah. tell you something about the town. Yeah, I love that. Chairboys is a classic. Because yeah. it always makes blows my mind that, that we're... I didn't realise chairs was a trade. Do you know what I mean? I didn't realise that... Mate, I understand, like, the cobblers. Cobbling is a trade. Like, chairs. Chairs. <laughs> chair salesmen? Yeah. Chair. <laughs> so what's this town built on the chair industry? I didn't realise that was a thing until Wickham Wanderers came along. And Reading well, not came the along, they were there before me. But I, like, <laughs> the biscuit men of yeah. Reading. Yeah. Uh, another group of nicknames sort of that tell you about the town as well, the Spireites, Chesterfield and yeah. Quakers. Your old yes. Wembley friends are darling. The Minster men from yeah. York, obviously. Yeah, I like those. Obviously, the worst. It, it's awful, isn't it, that Liverpool are called the Reds? Red, you'd Come think on. of all that, yeah. That's got to be the worst. And no one ever calls Man United the Red Devils anymore, no, hardly. No, it's the Red United. Devils. It would be. The Red Devils would be the kind of thing that would be. Well, it sounds like now, like. Um, you know when like Pro Evo can't clear the names of a team, <laughs> they'd be called the Red Devils. Yeah. Um, although it's probably copyright in itself. 
you also get this situation where I remember when I was a kid, like you, you have an official nickname for the team, and yeah. it being like, this might be wrong in my in my head. It was in the Rothmans yearbook and stuff <laughs> that like could be nickname whatever. But I'm sure that can't be true. But like, um, it, was a, it was a big thing though. And it, it was similar big, to knowing it? all ninety two ground names, which you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it was I a can... big deal. The nicknames. Yeah. Um, Another of my groupings in, in when I'm coming up with some sort of scientific mm. periodic table of nicknames was the nature nicknames. So the bantams, bees, magpies, oh, yeah. hornets, and owls. They're they're nice. They're good, and they're also they're the easiest to lend to a mascot. Yes. Yeah. They it, they make your mascot a lot easier. <laughs> Uh, if you've got that. Pilgrim Pete, who I love. It's a great mascot, because mascots are very rarely people. Yeah. I, I think the mascot of a cartoon pilgrim is a really fun kind of decision by Argyle. One thing I noticed in one of these programmes that was more prevalent in older football writing and programmes is a local headline in the Middlesbrough programme when you'd played there before... So the headline of Airsome Action, which has pictures of Bernie Slave and um, putting a shot into down to Keeper Dave Walter's right, is sounding out Plymouth. Sound? So of course I googled Plymouth. Oh, Plymouth sound. sound. So the Middlesbrough program editor thought I know a good Plymouth oh, reference. Oh wow, that's I great. I think that was more more prevalent. Looking back at old football so what, pink what headlines, they were like. Yeah, that. well, what happens now is because of search engine optimization. <laughs> that the headline would have to contain as many words yeah. that people might search as possible. So that would, headline would be Middlesbrough beat Plymouth with gold from Bernie yeah. Slaven. And Manchester United weren't there. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and finally, as we're in Scotland, some of my favourites since I've lived up here, The Honest Men, which is Air United. Oh, is that right? From a Burns poem. So where's that come from? Um, from a Burns poem. Uh, Dunehamers, which is Queen of the South, because... A lot of uh, people from that area, Dumfries and Galloway, would come to work in Glasgow and Edinburgh and say I was going Dunehame at the weekend. Oh, wow. The Hedgemen. Can you, do you know who that is? A, fa- a club with a famous hedge. No. Like Breek and City have a very famous hedge that goes along one side of the ground and they're very oh, precious wow. of, oh, of the cool. hedge. Uh, the Bully Wee. So would that be instead of a stand? It's, you can stand next to the hedge. Oh, you stand next to yeah. the hedge. There was a fanzine once that I was going through a fanzine archive in the National Library and they were giving away a piece of the hedge sellotaped on. And this is <laughs> 27 years later and the hedge was still green. Oh, wow. So sellotape is what you should be I've got some managing hedge turf with. from Home Park somewhere where... Um, was that a sanctioned thing or did you run on and... Run on at like the end of Scott at Wembley. You, you weren't allowed to these days, are you? But it used to be... It used to be... I mean, God, I don't want to sound like an old person... It was a lovely tradition to run on at the final game yeah. of the season. Yeah. And but now you just get seventeen announcements. Yeah, yeah, seventeen announcements. And you, think, you get the players walk around yeah. with their kids. And you think we finished fourteenth? I'm not. Yeah. Sure <laughs> but um, take a bit of the turf. They've got three months to correct the turf. Yeah. Is it, I don't know why. A three G's not going to help either. T- take a nice bit of plastic yeah. and some, yeah. some pellets home. So <laughs> been looking through some of the dates of your forthcoming. Tour, so I've devised what we can't term a quiz, but some reference. You're going to some fantastic football towns, really, that were many of them lower division clubs in our own football supporting heyday. So I want to read a few of the destinations for the tour out and you to tell me a footballer, memory, place, anything attached okay, to them cool, that cool, comes cool. to right. mind. Blackpool. Blackpool. Ian Holloway really taking them into the Premier League yeah. would be the main 
They That's were, the main thing. They were a really. quiet team in the night. I, I think of they the were. Aero Films Guide because you could always see Blackpool Tower, which I thought yeah. was very cool. Yeah. And they had really old ghost signs on their corrugated roof of the stand. Oh, really? They weren't a thing in the night. They weren't a big no, player in the notches. They kind of... Stockport County. Stockport County. They had a team in the late 90s, which was like Andy Much and Brett Angel, was he called up front? He was, yeah, yeah. They were good. They were like... Yeah. they. That that's the team I remember. Mm. I think they had also Kevin Francis, yeah. didn't they? And Andy Priest next to him. They were a little and large combo. Oh, the classic little yeah, large. Yeah, yeah. Because Kevin Francis was, I want to say, he was a bit of a kind of Saint and Greavesy punchline. <laughs> he was like a kind of the fact he was really tall was very noticeable. That was about it. Yeah, that yeah. was about it. <laughs> Danny, he did all right, didn't he? he went to Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, a good career. Danny Baguera, that's the name I was stretching oh, for as right. the manager of Stockport. Swindon Town, you'll have references because you've been made. Uh, yes, Fjortoft. And then obviously Glenn Hoddle is kind of very related to Swindon Town. Yeah. I've not watched it yet, but there is a documentary about Swindon Town in the 90s. That I did not know that. Yeah, it's on YouTube. I pride myself on seeing the lot, so that's, <laughs> that's my evening sorted. Fjortoft, strangely enough, his son plays for Hamilton Academical. So Does he? Sometimes he'll be sat there at New Douglas Park. Oh, wow. Torquay. Torquay. Um, well, obviously, as a West Country boy, I kind of always followed Torquay a bit. Because we'd have, you know, you'd get the local football on a Sunday uh, on ITV. Yeah. So, except Plymouth and Torquay were the only yeah. teams that they'd share it. So, Torquay, Plainmore is a superb kind of little ground. Um, Kevin Hodges was a successful manager there before us. We've got so many players that went to Torquay because people don't like to move house. (laughs) (laughs) But I suppose Torquay's kind of defined by Helen Chamberlain in a weird way. And Charlie Baker. Charlie Baker, of course. Great non-league podcast, The National Obsession. Charlie Baker's big worry is that Torquay are going to make it back into the league. Yeah. Out. Yeah, the podcast has gone. My final talkie one was there's a Netflix documentary about talkie. Oh, yeah, of course, I've watched that. It's Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. It'll be late and I'll search the word football to see if anything new has come up. <laughs> and it's a documentary about a police dog biting. So that guy, his son went to my school. Talkie need to win, win their final game. They're 2 0 down. And on the, and the footage, you've got to watch this footage because it's. The pitch is hilarious it's like like the worst pitch I've ever seen because it's May you know bad pitches are usually muddy it's like it's like it's like a kind of spinner's wicket in India do you know what I mean (laughs) he gets the player falls off the pitch and gets bitten on the arse by a police dog and they have to stop the game for 10 minutes which leads to 10 minutes injury time which then Torquay score the winner in so there's this kind of the guy getting hit, which saves them from relegation, which is obviously an unbelievable story. For me, injury time is part of the match anyway, so there's kind of an argument that maybe it would have been part of it. I don't want to... I've worked in TV development before, and I salute the TV developer researcher genius that got that one commissioned, because how oh. do you do a 400-worder on that and get it <laughs> Amazon Prime? Well, it's a six... There's, I, I tried to watch the other ones. Though, yeah. There's a six. It's like called Losers or something, yeah. isn't it? Um, I've left this one in because I think it'll be the obvious reference, Woking. Woking, Tim Bazaar. Yeah, right, Tim yeah, yeah. yeah, the classic. <laughs> the, the, there's nothing more to say. Nothing more to say. Watford, who of course now are a different uh, yeah, proposition entirely. It's but a shame, really, We're kicking it? around Middlesbrough but, and Plymouth level there. I think the thing with Watford, I remember 
Plymouth playing Watford in about 91, 92 maybe. And they had David James. And mm. I remember in those days, get players where there was like fuss around them. Yeah. <laughs> in the lower leagues. I remember when Cambridge turned up, they had Dion Dublin and it was yeah. like this guy. He's been a, watched. He's been watched. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I remember David James was talked of as like this big thing. Because I missed the whole Graham Taylor era. Watford actually, to Plymouth fans who are older than me, uh, are probably our most heartbreaking defeat. Oh, the cup final. The, they beat us in the semi final of the 1984 FA Cup. Under Graham Taylor. Yeah. I mean, they were, they had like John Barnes and stuff, so they were better than us, so fair enough. But like... Yeah. 90s Watford reminds me of the name Andy Hessen Tyler and um, Blout Point or Bl- something oh, right, like that yeah. as a sponsor. Andy Hessen Tyler, I watched, we watched a documentary on Gillingham for the 90s football podcast recently and he's quite central to it as club captain. Yeah. And there's a lovely clip in it. So he's watching his son, Jake, who's five play kiddies football and the first thing you do when you stop the documentary is Google Jake Hesitala and he went on to be a professional footballer. It's amazing. That's tremendous. Yeah. The great Ellis James' own Swansea. Yeah. Uh, I associate that with Al, really. Oh, in the 90s, they they were quite good. My favourite championship manager was 97, 98. That's Mm. when I was kind of... And they were a good team to start as in that. Yeah. Jan Mulby might have been there. Yeah, he was, yeah. But no, what happened is if you started with them, he was the manager, so you didn't start with him in his squad because he was the player manager. So he'd leave if you started mm. as manager of Swansea. Yeah, um, of But uh, they had a goalkeeper who I don't know if he's good in real life called Roger Freestone, who was one of the best goalies you could have in yeah. the lower leagues in that championship manager. Uh, Lincoln. Lincoln, uh, John Beck went there. But to go on championship manager 97, 98, sorry. Because that's often where I get a mm, lot of that. Yeah. Each team you'd play, they'd have a photo of their ground behind when you played yeah. at them. And Lincoln's was this absurd... I don't know what it was like in real life, but like, like this absurd one big stand halfway down the touchline with nothing... Not not reaching the full ends of the pitch. Yeah, that's what that's that's what the main stand is still... Yeah, like. it's still like, it was mad. <laughs> like, just looks so weird. We'll, we'll wrap up with the... Uh, might be an obscure one, but Halifax... Halifax Town, they were, I think, one of the first teams I remember being relegated from the Football League. I don't know if that's a false mm, memory. That's what it feels like as well. About in the early 90s, I remember, because I remember my dad telling me about re-ele- like re-election, like, um, in the, which yeah. I just missed, I think. Yeah. So he was like, oh yeah, teams didn't used to really go down out of the league, they'd just get re-elected yeah. back in. But Halifax was one of those first teams that ever went down in my following of it. My strongest Halifax memory was me and my dad, we would drive to empty football grounds in Yorkshire and Lancashire to buy a pen. So I've got, <laughs> I've got lots and lots of pens. Amazing. But I bought my pen from Jimmy Case, the ex-Liverpool oh, wow. player, who was then Halifax manager, who was in the club shop. Oh, well, I had that with Paul Sturrock, right? So I went to buy a, a seat at the when they closed, when they'd knocked down the Linters stand at Argyle. They were selling the seats for tenner. And I went to pick it up from Home Park and I walked into the office and he was just like there having a cup of tea. Yeah. Like, And I remember he was talking about Exeter City. They'd just bought a midfielder. Their manager wasn't very experienced and they'd just signed a player maybe from Argyle and Stark was like, the two midfielders they've got and just like the same player. They're not going to play well together at all. And he, he was saying it with the air of someone who was 
cleverer than everyone else in the league. <laughs> but he was just like telling the receptionist while he had his cup of tea. He was just like pontificating about Exeter's missed signing of a midfielder. You've been listening to the When Saturday Comes podcast, produced and edited by me, Daniel Gray. Please have a think about supporting us on patreon.com slash whensaturdaycomes, which will give you access to bonus podcast material and other goodies. 